Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Living Center Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Collier, spiritual director based here in Richmond, Virginia. Let's talk about discipleship. Um, the OG original idea of discipleship originates in early ancient uh, history in Israel. Uh, the process typically began with a student who was seeking out a particular rabbi whose unique interpretations or what is also known as a yoke, and I'll mention that in a few minutes, uh, might also be his teachings uh, and values uh, that they respected and admired of this particular rabbi. And this could involve you know, traveling to a different town or a region or attending a local synagogue or a particular school. But once a student found that rabbi, rabbi that they wanted to study with, they would approach the rabbi and ask to become their disciple. So the rabbi would then evaluate that student to determine if they were a suitable candidate for discipleship. And the evaluation process could involve, uh, you know, testing the student's knowledge of Jewish law and tradition, as well as their moral and their ethical character. They're not just going to let anybody be, you know, their disciple. If the rabbi accepted the student as a disciple, then they would begin a long-term period of intensive study and apprenticeship. Now, back to that idea of the yoke real quickly. A rabbi's yoke uh, basically referred to their unique interpretation and their unique application of the Torah and other you know, Jewish texts. The word yoke refers to like literally a wooden frame that was used to harness two oxen together for plowing a field with one ox leading the other following. You've probably seen, you know, the old, uh, you know, pictures and paintings of farmers and stuff like that. And you've probably seen the, the yoke. In the same way, a rabbi's yoke represented their unique approach to interpreting and following the law with their disciples following their lead. So each rabbi had their own yoke, which was based on their personal understanding of the Torah, their interpretation of the teachings of previous rabbis, this could include like their understanding of the commandments, their approach to ethical and moral issues, their beliefs about the nature of God and the role of Israel in the world. So the yoke of a rabbi was literally often expressed through their teachings and the way that they wrote about these things as well, which would be studied and then often, you know, very obviously followed by their disciples. So the goal of a rabbi's yoke was to guide their disciples in living a righteous and ethical life and to deepen their understanding of the Torah. So over time, the rabbis developed an elaborate system of additional laws and rules that went way beyond what was actually written in the Torah. And these additional laws and rules were known as the oral law or the tradition of the elders. And the rabbis believed that by following the oral law, they can ensure that the Jewish people remained faithful to God's commands and avoided sin. Like that was the idea. Avoid sin, manage it by following these rules. Over time, the oral law became obviously extremely complex, very detailed, with additional layers upon layers upon layers of interpretation and commentary that was added by all kinds of rabbis later and later down the road in history. And this led to the development of obviously a lot of different schools of thought, a lot of different legal traditions within Judaism. Now, this idea of the yoke probably sounds familiar to you because in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus talks about his yoke. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now we know from the gospels, Jesus was always like harping on the Pharisees and the scribes and everyone else who was a part of the the Jewish law um, in the temple for overburdening the people. And, uh, you know, really kind of clogging up the spiritual life of the people with all of their rules and laws. And so he was on them all the time. So Jesus was really kind of bringing out the fact that, like, I've got a yoke and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He describes himself as being gentle and humble in heart. And he's basically saying, like, come follow me. Be my disciples. Follow me in the way that my disciples are following me. So anyway, let's get back to this idea of discipleship between the rabbis. So the relationship between a rabbi and their disciples was basically modeled on the relationship between a master and an apprentice. Disciples were expected to be obedient to their rabbi, following um, you know, the instructions and guidance without question. They would often live in close proximity to their teacher, sharing meals, living quarters with them. Uh, in addition to studying the Torah and other Jewish texts, disciples would also learn to, you know, practical skills and trades from their rabbi as well. So the relationship between a rabbi and disciples was one of mutual respect, love, uh, with the rabbi serving as a mentor and guide to their students. Obviously, that's the ideal. That probably was not the case in all practices. The goal was not only to impart knowledge, but also to instill a deep sense of devotion to God and a commitment to living a righteous and ethical life. And so that's where the whole idea of having disciples comes from. Jesus didn't create the idea of having disciples. Like John the Baptist, of course, had his disciples. We know a few of them actually left uh, following him to go follow Jesus. Um, so this this was a practice. Jesus was a rabbi, though he was called a rabbi. People called him teacher. Um, and so, he, of course, he had his own disciples. What's interesting is that, you know, Jesus flips this on the head. Instead of waiting for people to come to him and say, I want to follow you, he goes to them. And of course, the folks that he chooses do not have a deep understanding of the law, right? They, they are uneducated. They are fishermen. They are tax collectors. Um, they are people who would not necessarily have um, done this, right? Um, so Jesus is definitely like flipping the whole thing upside down. So living a life of obedience and devotion to Jesus Christ, following his example and teachings are recorded in the Bible. And we can we can find all of these things there waiting for us. Um, I wanted to like call out a few people that I really enjoy reading. Uh, John Piper, Brennan Manning, and another gentleman, uh, pastor of Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon, John Mark Comer. Um, these guys have some great ideas around the idea of discipleship and what that means for us here in the year 2023, uh, as we are following Jesus. Um, John Piper talks about God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And that means that the ultimate goal of discipleship is not simply to follow rules or obey commands, but to develop a deep and intimate relationship with God that brings joy, satisfaction, and fulfillment to our lives. Few bullet points, seeking God with their whole heart to find their identity and purpose in him, to allow his love and grace to transform your life. Discipleship involves taking risks, stepping out in faith, even when it might be difficult or uncomfortable, and that requires a willingness to surrender control 
and rely completely on his guidance and his provision. Brennan Manning, uh, one writer I absolutely love. Uh, he was a Catholic priest, author, speaker, who wrote extensively on the topics of grace and forgiveness and discipleship. Manning's teachings on discipleship really emphasize the importance of living a life of radical surrender to Jesus Christ. That's what the disciples did. They were radically surrendering their lives to Jesus Christ. They were giving up their own lives to follow Jesus. Um, and that was rooted in a deep and personal relationship with God. So from his perspective, things like disciples embracing their own brokenness and their own weakness and to trust in God's love and grace to transform their life. Disciples are people who let go of their own desires, their own agendas, and submit completely to God's will. Humility in discipleship, recognizing that we are all sinners in need of God's mercy and forgiveness. Um, avoiding judgment and condemning other people, extending compassion and grace to those who are struggling, uh, prayer, contemplation. You know, he believed that discipleship was not just about following rules or obeying commands either, but about developing a deep and intimate relationship with God. John Mark Comer, um, as I mentioned, a Christian pastor, author, and speaker based out of Portland, Oregon, uh, his teachings on discipleship emphasize the importance of a deep and personal relationship with Jesus as well, rooted in spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines, or you know what you might want to call habits, basically. One of the central themes of his teaching on discipleship is the importance of spiritual practices like prayer, meditation, study in the Bible. He really believes that these kinds of practices help to cultivate a deep and meaningful relationship with God and enable us to hear his voice. So it's not about setting goals as much as it's like living in the process, if you want to think about it that way. You know, a westernized idea of discipleship might be like the idea of the mentor-mentee. Um, you know, that really has come to fruition in the corporate world probably over the past 20 plus years. It's been a big deal in terms of succession planning for leaders. Um, but you might also think of it about it in terms of like apprenticing under a master of some special or skilled work. Um, the goal of an apprenticeship is not only to gain, you know, proficiency in a particular trade or profession or skill, but to also develop a deep and personal relationship with the master or teacher. Um, you know, that's probably akin to like uh, Star Wars, right? And being a, a Padawan who wants to become a Jedi. Um, so here's a blunt question for you, my friends. And my apologies up front if this is perhaps grabbing you the wrong way when I ask it. But here it is. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple? Let that just sit there with that for a moment. Are you a disciple? One way to answer that is this. If following the king, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God, is it costing you anything to follow him? The Cost of Discipleship is a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, who was a German theologian and pastor. It was published in 1937. He argues that true discipleship in, requires a complete surrender of one's life to Jesus Christ and involves a radical transformation of one's attitudes and priorities. He criticizes the idea of what he calls cheap grace that allows believers to live in comfort and complacency and emphasizes that need for sacrifice and self-denial in the pursuit of discipleship. So are you going to church? 
Are you a part of a community of faith that is expressing itself with the love of Christ in your community? Are you spending time in scripture? Do you have accountability? Are you even are you even praying more than maybe once for a quick minute before heading into your home office or out the door to your actual physical location? You know, I ask these questions not to shame you, but to have you consider how are you following Jesus? It's very easy in our evangelical and reformed face to feel the ease of Jesus paid it all. He achieved everything. I can't and I'm good now and forever. I got my ticket into heaven. I don't really have to work that hard. Now, that might be true to a certain degree, but that is a very limited view of the gospel and following Jesus. So tomorrow, I'm going to talk about one way that you can start for the first time, or if you need a reboot on following the way of Jesus, check out tomorrow's episode. Hey, uh, real quick, thanks for listening. Of course, I'm spiritual director. If spiritual direction is an opportunity that you would be interested in learning more about, I would love to talk with you. Spiritual direction is great for folks who want to go deeper in their faith or maybe in a period of discernment in their life. Maybe you're asking some big questions and spiritual direction can also be great for folks who are no longer in counseling, but would like to continue to be faithful to what they have learned. If that's you and you'd like to learn more, my email is in the show notes of this episode. So shoot me a note, let's connect and see if spiritual direction would be a good fit for you.